looking to change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Wow, wow, wow. It is, uh, it's crazy to say this, my friends, but this is episode number 50. Um, I don't know how we got here. Um, January 7th of 2021, this crazy guy decided for his 40th birthday that he was going to start a podcast. So that's what I did. And somehow um, in these 50 episodes, I have met some of the most incredible folks on this planet who literally and uh, really are trying to change the world. So it is remarkable to have 50 folks under my belt. And I had to make sure that I brought um, you know, I had to bring a big wig for number 50. Um, I had to bring a dude that I had the absolute pleasure of hearing. Um, and I told him this at like the perfect time. I was in a place where I was really doubting myself. Imposter syndrome was kicking me in the rear. And then I saw this dude at the Kentucky Association of School Administrators uh, conference in Louisville, Kentucky, back in the summer of 2020. You probably know this dude. He is the skateboard riding, uh, flat brimmed hat wearing, um, tattooed Hamish Brewer. Um, if you don't know him, you need to know him. You need to check out his book, Relentless. It changed my life. He's got a ton to say. Um, but I'm going to let you know a little bit about him. Mr. Hamish is an award winning educator and leader inspiring, advocating, and amplifying voices of educators, students, and communities everywhere. He is an author. He is a speaker. He is a Kiwi. He loves his tattoos. He loves his skateboard. And I think this is the coolest one. He loves his VWs. So, uh, Mr. Hamish, thank you very much for being on The Big Ed Idea. What's up, man? It is so good to be here, man. Uh, incredibly humbled, man. You making me sound way cooler than I really am. I'm not that cool, but um, I appreciate it. And um, I'm super excited about this one, man. Uh, you know, I remember that state conference. It was it was pretty cool, you know, and getting out there. I remember this one lady uh, experience she had. She came up to me and she asked me to pour the water. She f thought I was there for the help. And uh, <laughs> later on came back. And to her credit, man, to her credit, man, she was straight up. She said, I just want to apologize, man. And she she loved the the speech. And then she said, you know, I shouldn't have judged and la, la, la. And uh, we just had a great experience there, man. It was great, man. A lot of great leaders. And uh, I just loved hearing your story, what you shared just before we got started, man. That was really, really humbled and appreciative. And man, number 50, man, congratulations on 50. That's a big deal, man. That that's definitely staying power. That's definitely some effort. And I'm just humbled to, to be number 50. And when I saw the the rundown of folks that you've had here, man, it's really impressive. Um, you, you've got a great, a great selection of people that people can go and listen and learn from and take something from and grow and be better for their kids, their communities uh, each and every day. So I'm just uh, hoping that I can add a little bit of uh, flavor to it tonight, today, and uh, and the listeners get to enjoy it, man. I'm really like I said, man, really humbled to be here with you, bro. Yeah, no, I, I'm hoping uh, you're going to bring a little hot sauce to this action. Let's um, go. Yeah, like I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. But when you were in Louisville, um, it was the summer of COVID. Like COVID had just basically been started. 
Um, there wasn't many um, administrators there because they had kind of pared down the conference or whatever sure. because of because of COVID. Um, but it was, I'm going to tell you, man, it was the spark of energy that I needed. Um, so I just, again, man, thank you for being you. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with this thing. All right. So the very first thing that I like to do is just, uh, you know, like I told you, I'm just a regular dude. I'm a dad. Um, I'm a husband. I just happen to also run a podcast. And so I always like to talk about what's going on at my house. Um, so something really, really exciting that just happened. I just completed a four mile, 40 mile hike this week, um, this weekend. I left out fr Friday morning and I got back about two hours ago. Uh, so over the course of about two and a half days, I hiked 40 miles um, with my dog, Houston. We did it in Southern Illinois. There were, it was, it was interesting um, to say the least. I ran into some, uh, some people out in the middle of nowhere that I was afraid to walk back and go back through them again. So instead of going back through, I took a six mile detour. Um, wow. Yeah, they, so they were called the, it was a rainbow gathering, which I don't know if you know anything about that kind of stuff. But it's like these old hippies that have refused to let the 60s die. And they just like set up camp out in the middle of nowhere and do whatever they want. So, um, yeah, it was a little uh, discomforting, to say the least. No doubt. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what's going on at my house. So, um, Hamish, what anything, you know, going on at the Brewer household? Yeah, you know what, man, this weekend, just trying to rest up, man. The first four weeks of school, we've been back about four or five weeks have been exhausting, bro. Mm -hmm. Some of the toughest weeks of my career, you know, I like to think I'm pretty good at what I do, bro. I like to think I've had a lot of success. I'm pretty good at it. But you know what? I've been telling people recently, man, I feel like a rookie all over again, man. The last four or five weeks have just been so busy resetting school, resetting our kids, expectations, learning instruction and just chasing after everything each and every day my goal when i hit the weekend at the moment is just to try and rest as much as i can but uh what happened this weekend man i lost reverse on my volkswagen man i have a 67 oh. hot rod volkswagen and i and i lost reverse and so i got a special clutch of a special joystick down there for shifting and uh it popped reverse so uh i spent some time trying to uh tidy that up order some parts uh you know, but I'm a Ravens fan, you know, get into watching some football and get out there on my board and cruise. You know, I'm not the best skateboarder on the planet. Um, although social media might tell you <laughs> that I'm like the next Tony Hawk. Right. I'm getting a little bit too old to drop into bowls and things. And I just love cruising and uh, on my long boards and things like that. But man, right now it's just all about rest, man, and, and recharge and reboot so that I can be ready to go again on a Monday, if you know what I mean. But oh, man. You know, the Volkswagen that was hurting this weekend, I didn't like losing reverse. So that gives me a lot of space, man. You know, we talk about getting out and doing some of the things that you love to do. Uh, I love cruising and that thing, man. And uh, it's a bit of a sleeper. People don't realize it, but uh, she's pretty much got a drag racing engine underneath <laughs> it, a 2110. And it's a good time, man. So anyway, that, that, that's kind of the weekend, bro. Yeah. Right on, man. No. Uh, so this weekend I was totally off a of grid. Um, just me, just myself out in the middle of nowhere. It was really, really nice to check out. Mm. And for anybody that's listening, like literally you just need to take a day a week and just drop off the face of the earth, especially if you're, if you're an educator. Um, 
Hey, Mish, I don't know about your people, but I would say, you know, where I'm at, my people are pretty stressed. Um, this year is it's it's a different dynamic than it yep. was last year. Uh, COVID is still in the building, but it's still a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just anybody out there, find some time, check out, yeah, get off the grid, go cruising in your VW, whatever you got to do yeah. to just relax. Yeah, that's the truth, man. I, I think sometimes we forget that uh, we're kind of still in a pandemic. We're, we're, we're trying to climb out of it. And sometimes yeah, right. I forget, I think people forget we're, we're, we're still in it, you know, we're climbing out of it. You know, that's the goal. Uh, but you know, we're riding this roller coaster right now. I remember just before school started, it felt like the, the, uh, light at the end of the tunnel was, Amen. Right there, man. we were Amen. through it and bang, not a month right. later, it was like, are we going to be virtual again? You know? And right. so, you know, I just want to give a shout out to everybody out there listening that, um, thank you for what you've done and achieved these last couple of years, what you've been through, you know, there was no playbook, man. Nobody wrote a chapter in a book about how to <laughs> lead, teach, be an educator, man. But you know what? We didn't come off the line, man. We didn't come off the front line. We stayed there. And it's kind of like that term lost learning. I hate it right now. I hate that idea of lost learning, man. You know, was it interrupted? Yes. Was it disrupted? Yes. Was it perfect? No. But you know what? It, it's a disservice. You know why? Because teachers didn't stop teaching. Educators right. didn't stop right. coming to work each and every day. And so, man, like you say, if there's an opportunity for people to get off the grid and just relax and take time out for them, do it, man. Do more of it. And uh, just a massive shout out and thank you to everybody for what they've done and achieved, man. Keep charging, bro. Right on, right on. I agree. All right, my friend. So um, this section of my podcast is kind of my way to tell folks out there of my belief in connections before content. Uh, just that, just that idea that, you know, you can't get down to the meat until you know the person. Uh, sure. That's what we want our teachers to do. That's what we want our administrators to do. So I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to ask you, and then you get to turn around and ask me with the goal that we know each other a little bit better before we jump into this big ed idea. Sound good? Sounds good, right? All right. All right. So um, this quest, first question, I, I, I asked it before I even knew you were a car guy. So if you could have any car or truck, what would it be? Man, let me tell you something. I'm definitely a car guy, but I got to tell you, like, I want to own like 20 different cars because I want a car for every driving experience. Jay right? Leno. Like, you know what I mean? I love my Volkswagen right. and I'll, that'll always be top of my list. But, you know, there's days that I want to drive a Ferrari, right? There's days that I want to drive a Mini Cooper. There's days that I want to be in a Subaru and get after it in the new WRX coming out. But I'm definitely 110% a fast and furious guy, man. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my whole window right. right there, man. That's where I'm at, you know, Torito and, and the guys and Paul Walker and all them, man, going on almost uh, 20 years now, fast and furious. Can't believe it. But uh, no, man, I'm into all types of cars, fast cars, man. I want to get an Impala. I want an Impala 64 yeah, right. next, you know, and uh drop that out and uh, i definitely ride my cars really low man i take the road with me so uh no nah, man i definitely love i love my cars and uh but i definitely would love to have a different type of drive for each car you know what i mean so okay. tying okay. it down to one car is hard i'm not really a truck guy but i'll tell you right now i'm straight up car guy right right so um i actually my my favorite car i had at one time a 1977 volkswagen uh minibus um bright green i called her miss pickle she uh was the uh camper van 
you know, she had a sink and a closet and everything in it. Um, and because of life at that time, I was like 25 and there was just something about not having any heat or an air condition or it not starting half the time that I got rid of her. But this is, this is the way God works. That van is still in my hometown driving around. So like one of my goals is to buy her back and totally, yeah, yeah, right. So my wife knows about it and she's cool with it. So as soon as it's up for sale, it's going to be mine. Let's go, man. Let's figure it out. We may have to do some door knocking and just roll up and say, all right, man, I own that. That's I want right. to own it again. What will That's you do right. to let it go, right? Like, well, that pops a question for me, man. It, you know, just listening to that, you like to go bush. We call it New Zealand, go bush off yeah, the grid, right. you know, and then uh, you're into cars and things, man. I feel like uh, traveling could be a thing that we have in common. Like I'm a, I love backpacking, you know, taking your backpack, disappearing off the face of the earth. If you read relentless, I did it through yep. Southeast Asia and some other places, man, bucket list items of places for you to travel for let's fall off the grid together right now. Where are we going? Okay. So if I was to go anywhere, so this have to be some place I've never been, up to you, bro. This is okay. your, you're taking me on an adventure, bro. Let's rock and roll. All right. Here's so here's what I want to do. I want to drive south all the way to the tip of South America. Um, I speak pretty good Spanish, and I just want to I just want to get into an old Volkswagen van and just go south and just see what just see where we go. Yeah, I love it. Dude, I've got a movie for you, a must-watch movie, my favorite movie on the planet. 180 degrees south, these guys relive an adventure, traveling from basically the uh, West Coast all the way down to the bottom of South America, bro. Okay. Exact thing you're talking about. Okay. Get I wanna, in, yeah, get check in it the out. Roll. Check it out, man. They surf the whole way down, bro. It's awesome. Right on. 180 degrees south. It'll make you want to quit your job tomorrow and get in that van. <laughs> okay. Well, I better... Let me ask my wife first. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, okay. How about for you? Actually, this was my next question. Ideal road trip. Oh, bro. We just, I think we might have the same one. You and I might be on a road trip together. You know, I've got a couple of, I got a couple more adventures I want to do. I do want to get to Machu Picchu. Close it down. I'm worried that they're going to close it down to tourists. I'm going to miss my chance. Um, And there's a um, really famous old railway, the Trans-Siberian Railway. Mm -hmm. It takes you through China and Russia and some stuff like this. And you're on this old train. Uh, It's one of the most ancient uh, routes that you can do. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, some of the coolest routes, some of the coolest trips you can do today, just because of um, some of the challenges in the world, uh, getting harder and harder to do, you know. Um, I'm definitely more into the backpacking. um, Find a restaurant on a side street type of guy than I am anything kind of mainstream or or franchised out. So I love Amen. it, bro. Amen, man. All right. You ready to get into this uh, education space? Yeah, man. Let's rock and roll. Let's see where we go. Okay. So I kind of know this question, know this answer, but um, I want to hear it again. And I know our listeners are going to want to know, um, but I'm a firm believer that education finds a person. Um, I would say out of the 50 guests that I've had on this show, there haven't been maybe 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 five i'd say probably two who actually knew they were going into education when they were in high school 
most of us, education found us for whatever reason. Well, I know what for, for what reason it was to change the world. Um, but how did education find you, my friend? Yeah, you know, it was um, a little bit of a funny story, really. Uh, I'd failed some high school exams a couple of years in a row. I was trying to find my way out of high school, trying to figure out my life. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Um, and I was like, gosh, I mean, and I was trying all sorts of things, man. I thought I'll be a builder. So I tried to be a builder. That didn't work out. I, I took all these like little, I took a tourism course and realized that, uh, you know, I thought that I could go on all the vacations that the tourists go on, but really, <laughs> nope, I just keep it. pushing paper and that wasn't right. happening. Right. Anyway, uh, one day I was in the guidance counselor's office and a fax came through back in the day and it was like applications for teachers college and uh, cut a long story short, I told the lady, I said, hey, let's do that. Why don't I do that? And she said, well, I'm not I'm not sure you're academic enough. And uh you know, as always, I'd heard that a lot those last few years of high school when I said, you know what, to hell with this, I'm doing it. That's right. Put my name down. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a teacher, right? You get your summers off, man. We'll, we'll go travel, hang out all summer, right? I'm not sure what happened to those summer vacations. <laughs> you getting shorter and shorter by the year, but um, no, man. So I, I, I got in and I got accepted and I think I got accepted because I had a great interview. Uh, and even even my acceptance was um, showing that maybe there were some concerns over my ability to, <laughs> to do the academics. But as it turned out, man, I took to it like a fish to water and um, it couldn't have, it couldn't have been a better fit for me um, as as history is showing. So yeah, right. that's really the that's really the long and skinny of it right there. No, I, I, I can completely relate. Um, I've said this before on this show, I, I literally chose education for the summers off. Um, I found out when I was 22, I was going to be a dad unexpectedly. So I had to figure out my, well, literally had to get my shit together really, really quick. Um, at that time I was bartending and I was working whatever, kind of like you said, trying to find my niche. And, uh, I knew that educators had the summers off and I was like, well, this is a good, it's a good, good gig for a dad. And uh, that's why I signed up. But literally, I and I'm serious when I say this, the first classroom I went into, I was like, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. Um, so what I what I really like about you, Hamish, and what I can relate to you about also, you seem to be really in it for those kids that others sometimes give up on. Um, and that's what has really driven me professionally. And I can tell that's the type of dude you are. Um, and I think that's why I like you so much. Um, but just imagine if you had had an easy route into education, that might not be, you know what I mean? That might not be your, your purpose, I guess, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, man, um, I think part of my success is that I was one of those kids, man. Yeah. You know, I grew up around a lot of poverty, um, a lot of drugs, alcohol, uh, dysfunction, and um, my own struggles at school, you know, like I said, I failed my high school exams and things like that. And so um, as I got myself together over the years, you know, I found that I was able to connect really well with kids and relate to kids, man. And I just wanted to be that guy that stood up and fought for kids that uh, I wished I had a few more of fighting for me and, and advocating for me and believing in me and seeing something in me, right? Like, I think that's the big part is that's right. making those connections and seeing something in kids, you know, all kids want to be felt like they have meaning and, and have felt like that someone believes in them and sees something in them. 
And so I start right there, man. I draw right there on that, man. That's the power right there, man. Like you can't get to anything without those connections. You can't get to anything important. You can't teach anything important. You can't drill down to anything important without a significant connection. It's just a fact, man. It's just great things happen from great connections with not just our students, but even the adults, man. Adults today, you know, they want to be a part of something special, man. They want to be a part of a movement. They want to be part of something they believe in and something they they feel like they they see a vision and a mission in for themselves. And so um, just looking back over time, man, I've, I've had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove the world wrong and show everybody what can happen, you know, and that we're not zip codes. We're not um, any of that, man, that poverty is not a learning disability, that there's nothing that can get in the way when you have somebody believing in somebody, man. Amen. Amen. So much truth to that. So much truth to that. And um, so I know, you know, your playbook is a little bit different than maybe some other principles out there. And, but look, that to me, that's, I love it. That's, I love it. But um, I guess my question is knowing the type of dude that you are and the type of school you try to build, what is kind of the problems of education or what is a problem of education that your idea kind of hopes to solve? So let's go to the problem first and then we'll go to the idea. Yeah. I mean, you're going to open up a can of worms here for me, bro. So let's pick one. (laughs) I believe there's so many of them, right? But let's just look at the way that we try to always make one size fit all for everybody. You know, um, let's look at that idea that we standardize everything in our schools. We standardize our kids and you can't standardize kids, man. The world they're going into, the world they're going to be living in, the problems they're going to be solving, they're not standardized. That's right. And when you standardize our curriculum, you standardize our kids, you standardize our experiences, you standardize them to test, you kill creativity, you kill productivity, you kill critical thinking and problem solving, all the skill sets and attributes that not only are businesses looking for from our graduates but also the skill sets they're going to need to be successful just in life man like you know i said chase test scores down man and i smoked them look let me tell you something i smoked test scores for a long time and uh i realized that okay that was cool for a minute but what is that about man what is that about and i realized i wanted to be i wanted something more important chase something more important and I want to find out one day that did my kids become great mothers and great fathers, great citizens? Did they solve the problems of the world? Did they stand up with a community leaders, community servants? Did they give back? There's no greater gift than the gift of giving. And so just um, as time goes on, you start to mature and you start to learn that there's some things bigger and more important than say a test score. And I don't want to be measured by that, man. I don't want to be measured by test scores, but I think we have a massive problem in education today where we're standardizing the experience. We're standardizing the the the, the solution. Like um, we're moving to this uh, solution of computer generated programs, and instead of those things enriching them and being there as a subset of great instruction, great tier one instruction, they're all of a sudden becoming the the, the mainstream solution. Yeah, right. And it worries me, man, because again, we fall into this trap to continue to standardize our kids and the experiences for our stakeholders and. I think we just got to be really careful of that. And, and what's really crazy about the pandemic is while we'd made some movement prior to, prior to COVID, uh, moving off testing a little bit more and testing less and getting back to that tier one instruction, I think COVID and our response to COVID, trying to understand COVID, trying to understand what's happening. Here we are again. Kids, 
here we are again making That's the right. same mistakes once again and so you know we talk about we talked about this covid um pandemic time being this opportunity for change for massive change let's do something let's make a change and what have we done we may have just fallen back into the same old traps yeah yeah sadly sadly i i, I tend to agree with kind of the last thing you were talking about um i was having a conversation with a dude a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about pandemic and the fact we, we had a lot of our students on virtual a lot of them were doing virtual ingenuity type stuff um and i got on the on the topic that although we can standardize our content we will never be able to standardize our connections and if mm. if nothing else the pandemic has shown people that yeah sure you can put kids on computer but you're not going to get the you're not going to get the heartfelt love and the empathy and the compassion and the relationships that a person can do. So on the one hand, I think, you know, yes, we've went to standardized, but I think it's also showing some people that we also got to have the teacher in the room. Yeah. You can't replace a teacher in the room, um, man. And kids need to be in school. I learned, definitely learned that through the pandemic. You know, there's some space where, I think uh, the virtual setting really enhanced the learning of some children, but I don't think that's on mass. I think that's a really specialized opportunity for students of particular need or a particular skill set or their ability to make that connection. You know, I think it really worked for a, uh, a small hand through a small group, but kids need to be in school, man. They need those connections with each other, yep. uh, with their teachers, their peers. You know, I think as we've returned, that's what we've seen is that, um, our kids have been out for so long that they're reestablishing the um, how to how to operate socially, how to operate with each other socially and interact. You know what we did? We one thing we did is we created uh, almost like a recess for our middle schoolers. We call it our buzz break, and we allow we give our kids a scheduled. Um, 25, 30 minute break in the middle of the day as if they were at elementary school where they That's get to perfect. go outside, connect, hang out, get some fresh air and socialize and reconnect with their peers and, and just hanging out and playing and, and running around uninhibited, uninhibited from any, any expectation other than this is your opportunity to take a break, connect and reestablish some of those social connections. So, um, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a novel idea, but at the same point, it's sad that it is a novel idea um, because cognitive science, cognitive science is very clear about what our kids needs. They need breaks. They need connections. They need social interaction. But kind of like you're saying, we have uh, standardized education so much that people are afraid to do those things. Um, I was listening to Let's see, I think it was Charles Williams. He was on the Overthrowing Education podcast. And he talked about something that you had alluded to in the very beginning of what you were, you were, you were talking about. That this idea that the moment we start to standardize everything and we try to make everybody do the same thing the same way, all over the same place, that's when we lose the power. Um, so talk to me about what is your big, your big idea of how we can counteract kind of that standardization? Yeah, you know, for a long time, uh, you know what I'll tell you, I'll just dig a little bit deeper too. Like 
I, I always ask leaders and I ask educators, I just ask even friends, you know, if we turn the news on right now, and I try not to turn the news on too much these days, but if you do turn the news on, you look at some of the challenges that um, we're facing that are upcoming and what we're going to be challenged with, are we helping our students graduate with the ability to solve those problems? That's right. And I think that's the real question for education. For right sure. Now. For sure. That is the question that we should be asking ourselves. Like, for instance, um, if you really understand some of the climate change that's taking place, um, the changes that we make now won't show an impact until 30 years down the track because we're already in that cycle. And so our kids, think about that. That's three generations of kids right. before this lot of students can actually, uh, their impact will be felt. And so you think about that, the implications for what's happening just in terms of everything from natural resources to climate, to hunger, to um, connection, to collaboration, cultural connections, all these different things that are happening are we best serving our students right now? And that's my big question. And so I really believe in this idea of authentic, relevant, uh, and real learning experiences, you know, that we're creating opportunities for kids to really learn through a global mindset, through a practical real life mindset. And I even want to go as far as to say, for instance, um, why aren't we providing kids to learn their curriculum through a real life experience. That's so exactly right. let's have our students running businesses. Yeah. Let's run yeah. our students. Because you know what's really crazy if you think about it? Kids today, they are a brand. They are entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. they're entrepreneurs and branded minded via social media. Now that's another rabbit hole we can go down because I think that's a gateway drug for our kids right now. But right. some of us too. About, yeah. But if you think about what's happening there, the kids, we didn't have those tools when we were high schoolers. Kids today have the tools to be entrepreneurs and brands, and we're not leveraging that. We should be leveraging that in our experiences and our activities and opportunities for kids. Like um, one example we did is um, I wanted to give my kids access to the billion dollar industry that is, um, for instance, uh, robotics and gaming and things like that. We started an engineering robotics class just as you would as an elective for PE. We've sent three teams to the state championships and one team to the world since starting. And when you think about it, that's the world our kids are going into. You know, if they, if they don't have that ability to code, the ability to access those opportunities, what are we doing? I mean, even our military today have joystick soldiers. You know, that's you think exactly about right. what's happening out there. And so you have to be really aware of what's happening around us. And, and so... These are some of the things that I, I really believe in, but I also believe in that we 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 got to help turn back the clock for society and make sure that we're leading through love and we're making love the center of the work that we do each and every day. You know that that kids are learning the this aspect that uh, I tell the kids all the time. If somebody haven't told you today they love you, That's Mr. Right. Bruce wants to love you. You know, I want to create a society where people care for each other. They they don't walk past the broken. They pick the broken up. That we walk together. That we serve together. Um, and that we take care of one another. But I think we have to roll back this idea of standardization and, and really test and really look at what did the kids really truly learn that I mean, ultimately, that's what we want to know, right? We don't want to 
know the outcome of all 30 kids against the test. We want to know the outcome of that child and what they actually learn. And we've gone away from this group-wise learning program. We're going to get back away from that to this individualized learning opportunity for kids to really know, own, and um, take their own learning on board from there. So a lot of rabbit holes there as I no. gloss across the surface, but really important stuff. And I think it's really important conversations that we need to be having in education. So I got to tell you, man, this real, real quick, this story. So um, every month I do, I run this uh, algorithm through Infinite Campus. Anybody out there that uses Infinite Campus for their uh, student information system, it does this thing called the early warning tool, and it will predict a kid. It's supposed to predict a kid that will drop out. And so I run it every month and I compile a list of students and I send those names out to all of our students, all of our teachers um, actually classified staff too, because I want people to connect with these kids, show them love, not tell them they're on this list, but just to give them a little bit more attention for the upcoming month. So this one kid gets flagged and I walk to, up to him and we're just talking like normal. And I see him every day. And after about a week of just talking, I finally, I'm like, Hey dude, why aren't you doing your work? He's like, man, this, this isn't important to me. What I found out this 15-year-old kid is writing code for a company in Nashville, Tennessee. We are two hours north of Nashville. So he's writing code. He has already figured out at 15 that his high school curriculum means squat to him and what his true goals are. And so now we have started having the conversation of, look, dude, I don't, I don't care if you get a 60% just graduate, get out of here. And you have this job yeah. waiting for you. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know that what that reminds me of too, man. It reminds me of this idea that uh, another idea that I've been chasing around is that we celebrate so many of the greats for their failures. Like if you think about some of the all time great entrepreneurs and, and, uh, and businessmen and, and just leaders, they've all failed somewhere along the way and we gravitate to celebrating that. But you right. know what we don't do is celebrate the opportunities for kids to take risk in school and fail. Yeah. That fail, failing in school is often left to be finite or determined by an exam outcome. But, you know, that place where we learn to grow is that zone of proximal development. We should be celebrating that opportunity. Just like that kid, you know, the struggle in there to grow forward, to learn, to seek understanding so that you can, that you can truly grow and learn, right? Because that's the ultimate. And so that's another one uh, uh, just related to even what that yeah. young man's going through, you know, like he's a prime example of so many kids out there that are uh, finding these alternatives to just what's happening in their schools alone, you know, and they have the tools. Once again, they have the tools right in front of them to achieve and do these things. Yeah. So this idea that I got, I want, I want to run it by you and you tell me what you think. So I am definitely um, not a fan of the standardization. I want to see what our schools and what our school systems can do to improve, in, sorry, to improve the community around them. Um, so I want to see, so I'm at the high school level. I want my high school to look at the job forecast next 20, 30 years in my community. Um, I want my high school to look and see what does my community actually need. Um, my high school sends about 30% of our kids on to college. So then if that's the case, 
in my opinion, we should not be pushing tons and tons and tons of AP type courses. Instead, we should be doing more of the blue collar skills, the tech skills, the, the things that my community actually needs. Um, because where I'm at is a very rural community. Um, at one time was the number one coal producing one or two coal producing county in the state of Kentucky. That's all gone. So there's not much business at all. Um, I would like to see each school do their thing to improve their community. What do you think? So, so two or three thoughts there. The, the first one, you know, I absolutely love it. I think that um, these are ideas we should be pursuing. Um, I, we have a capstone project at our school for our eighth graders where they have to complete a community project. And yeah. we have over 300 community projects that get completed by every eighth grader at the end of each year. And so I, I'm right down that alley. We're teaching that mindset right, right. from an early age at our school. And um, we've had amazing uh, projects from helping, helping grow uh, autism awareness in the community to helping grow beehives, to helping grow um, to, to sock programs and food pantry programs and you name it, we've done it and we've covered it and just the ingenuity and creativity in our kids and what they see, the lens that they see their community through is, is simple, is just unbelievable. You know, um, I see real value in showing the kids what are those opportunities out there. My, the challenge I think for our kids today is that they have this mindset that they want to make millions instantly. Sure. And so maybe they don't value some of those opportunities nearly as much as we want to, because in terms of what they value, the bread that they want to make real quick is different to what it looks out there. But what I've seen is there's lots of businesses out there with these opportunities, but we're not making the connections. We're not showing up the connections, whether it be through career days, career opportunities. What if kids went off campus for a day? Amen. They, they, they were farming for a day. Yeah, like, right. I believe in the um, in, in all the programs where we come back to the um, CRTs and all that kind of stuff, and we've got um, everything from woodwork and 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 mechanic shops and all these things. I think they should be happening in schools. I think you're seeing that we gave them up a few years back, and now yeah, we're trying we to figure did. out how to get yeah. them back. And and I think there's this real massive movement to bring them back, which I think is really exciting. Um, but now we've got to also find the, the, the teachers with the ability to be able to teach those programs too. Like, I, I believe that if I was working in a rural community, I'd want to have farming programs, field yep. programs, agriculture, horticultural programs happening in my school all day long, right? And that we do our curriculum through that. Yeah. What, if, what if our school ran the, let's get way out there. Let's go yeah, right. way down the way. What if our school was a farm and we ran the farm, right? And everybody's still learning their curriculum along the way. But they're managing the finances, they're fixing the machinery, the you know, all along the way, they're doing these practical real life things. Like sometimes in my area, I've thought about what if we went and rented a space that had become let go because people had moved out, you know, and we rented a space and we turned it into a shop and it could be, say, a coffee shop. Yeah. Maybe my yeah. kids run the coffee shop, they run the books, they run the customer service, they run the business. And they produce it over, and that money then goes into their scholarship fund for That's whatever. Good for degree. everybody, you know, you know what I mean. I just see all these yeah. amazing ideas. A lot of, and and I see opportunity 
I just, I just look through everything with a lens of opportunity. So I love what you're talking about. I think it's just making those connections for the kids to see value, but also showing them where those opportunities are as yeah. well. So, Absolutely. And, and, and one thing I'm really trying to push at my rural school is just this idea. Okay, so you got this kid who's already uh, 15. He's coding in Nashville. Why is he able to do that? Because of broadband. So yep. why should we not be pushing telework and pushing all of those things that, that our students can do over the internet. Um, that could be a class in itself, kind of like yeah. you said. Yeah. So my man, um, I really That's think- A lot of ground, bro. Covered a I, lot of ground. Yeah. Like I think we could go on and on and on about ideas. Um, I'm definitely, obviously I'm a big ad idea kind of guy. Um, one this idea i've got to drop on you real quick can i just drop something in there for a minute another reason i love this podcast so much is i don't think we create enough space to have fun exploring what these big ideas could be thank you we get so stuck in our ways in education we can be so reactionary instead of being out in front you know like that mindset entrepreneurial mindset of being out in front and so i think it's exciting to be sitting in a in in a podcast with you right now exploring these big ideas and thinking big right like you don't get anywhere without thinking big a little bit exploring and 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 the excitement and energy that comes from idea dropping you know um so i think it's exciting so again man i appreciate the time and space yeah no um yeah prior to covid i'll tell you you know covid was not not you know i'm not wishing covid on anybody but if it hadn't been for covid i would not have connected with as many people as i did through Twitter, through Facebook, uh, through um, Teach Better Team, through all these other folks that I've been able to connect. And I'll tell you, like, definitely, I have been in spaces where that's not always encouraged, that big idea thinking, you know. Um, And so I really, really wanted to start this place. Let's just, let's hear the craziest idea that you have for education. Because you know what? Try it. And if it doesn't work, guess what? You're, we're still going to be the same place we've been for 150 years. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. More. I love it. Okay, so this this last idea I've got to throw at you. I am really wanting to partner and do transitional housing for my students because Ooh. I I have a we have a pretty our poverty rates are pretty high and our rural county we have zero public transportation. We have zero, you know, community supports, community resources. So I want to see schools more in the, like, as a triage center for our families. So having, you know, doctor's offices on site, dental offices on site, transitional housing for our homeless students or transitional housing for our um, poor families, um, so that's one of my ideas. Yeah, man. I've always believed in helping us connect and provide more and more services and opportunities for our kids all the time. And, you know, I think it's getting harder and harder at times for people to find some of those services, have the ability to get some of those services. And so um, one idea I've always thought, good, what if you could take 50 of your students and even house them almost yeah. like in a boarding Amen. situation? And, and do the whole turnaround turnkey 
uh, full full service on helping those kids. You know, I mean, it's not for everybody, um, but I know I've definitely got students that I wish that I could hold on to them for a longer period of time. Kind of why I turned my school into a bit of a YMCA, to be perfectly honest with you. Sure. Like, I have them there for such a long time. I mean, so many of my kids are in poverty. Um, our rates are incredibly high. I'm just not rural. I'm, I'm urban. Yeah. And, uh, and, but um, I've always believed in what you're talking about, you know, like, and so I do provide some of that. I have evenings where we invite different services from around our community in, and we try and make those connections for people. But it's also, um, I thought I might try, I, I might just tell you right now, uh, you got, you're going to have a little, uh, uh, media, you gotta have a break here. You're getting a scoop here. Um, I have started a, um, charity. Uh, a lot of people me over the years have asked me, can we buy a t-shirt? Can we do this? How can we connect? How can we get a little bit more of you? And I didn't want to be a cheesy guy just selling a cheese, a relentless t-shirt or, you know, just something that had no meaning or value. And so, I've taken all my ideas of um, giving away skateboards and things like yeah. this. I do a skateboard giveaway. And so I started a um, charity called Skate for Hope. And uh, we're doing turnaround services for, um, for kids that cannot afford to receive mental health professional services. And so people will be able to donate to Skate for Hope and we'll be able to help um, connect the mental health and well-being services for kids and help pay for the uh, appointments for kids to go get seek mental health. Um, I was severely affected by a student. I lost a few years back to use suicide. And so I really wanted to make an impact on that. And so we'll be giving away kids. You'll be able to donate money for a, a, a skateboard that'll turn up to a child and um, give an opportunity that, um, you know, that we go one more round that they won't give up on themselves. They won't give up on life and that there's people out there that won't give up on them. So you just got the scoop. We're about to go live with Skate for Hope uh, one more round. And uh, I'm really excited about it. And I can't wait to celebrate it and really um, jump into that to help provide just some of the services that you're even talking about for our youth and for our kids. So appreciate man. it, man. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So um, I think that is a perfect idea and a perfect segue um, into how. OK, so I've got I've got thousands of people listening, maybe. Um, how can they connect with you? Um, how can they, you know, just pick your brain or hey, man. like you said, skate for hope, you know, just how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, look, man, I'm just uh, humbled that anybody would want to get a hold of me, quite frankly, man. Um, I don't never want to take that opportunity or platform for granted. You know, you can find me on all the uh, various social media uh, platforms, Twitter at BrewerHM, uh, my website at HamishBrewer.com. But you know, anything with Hamish Brewer on it, you'll find me on that social <laughs> media platform there uh, is really the is really the um, way to connect with me. And, and I connect a lot with the with my audience, you know, I often reply, try to reply and friend as many people as I can. But, um, you know, I just want to connect with people that want to make a difference with kids each and every day. Ultimately, every decision we make, everything we do should be about getting better for kids and providing an opportunity for a child each and every day to live their most passionate, purposeful life. And uh, I'm just lucky that I get to share and, and motivate and inspire some people to do it along the way. And uh, it's people like you that get me fired up each and every day to keep coming back for more. And, you know, just this was a, you know, I don't do many podcasts, man, but this has definitely been a real treat, man, to connect with you and just have an authentic conversation without the same 10 questions that get asked out there. It was a really real 
authentic uh, conversation. I really appreciate you, man. I can't wait to actually meet in person. That's exactly right. No, man. Uh, I, I, I said this off air, but I'm going to say it again. Um, hearing you speak in Louisville uh, gave me the license to be me. Um, I was very much in a spot where I was really questioning what type of leader I wanted to be. Did I want to be that very standardized cookie cutter uh, principal ad administrator that I knew I was not? Um, but when you came and spoke, number one, I was like, this dude has got like, he understands it. He knows what's going on. He's real. And he's, he's talking real. He's being real. And then the second thing, if our state organization paid for this guy to come and talk, then obviously they might like what he's talking about too. So it gave me a little bit of a license. Um, so, you know, I wear my chucks to school every day. Um, I pass out licorice in the hallway every day. I'm just me. I'm that peppy yep. elementary guy that came to high school right. and I'm okay with that now. Um, yep. And I, and, and I think the kids resonate with that. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for coming on this evening. Um, the gift of time, you know, you can't, you can't get that back. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. And I valued it, man. It was a great time. Congratulations to you on 50, man. Here's to 50 more. And let's do this. Let's say, let's do this. Let's make sure we hook up again for number 100. How about that? Let's do it. I think that's a great idea. Congrats, by then, bro. I don't know if I'm going to have any hair by then because it's falling out pretty quickly, but hey, who knows? We'll just shine it up, bro. That's what we'll I do. <laughs> yeah. All right, my friend. So to my big Ed Idea listeners, once again, it has been a complete honor to be able to talk to you um, whenever you're going to listen to this. So I want to leave you with a quote. This is not just another day. This is yet another chance to make your dreams come true. And so with that, I'm going to leave you with the words of the immortal John Janoski, who was the best grandfather a guy ever had. Until next time, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.